0: I had a really great Pilates workout this morning I've been doing Pilates every morning so far but this morning in particular I think it kicked my butt because if you hear me working out by myself like when no one's around I sound like I'm having a mental breakdown for about a good hour so yeah I'll yell I'll scream I'll huff and puff but I get through it as best I can. But it, it's just so funny how I get through workouts. It's just never, you know, a silent time. It's always some sort of yelling and screaming and, you know, ugh, all that. So, <laughs> anyway, welcome back to Everything Girls. I'm your host, Faith Pickney. And today we're talking about what it's like being a Zillennial. Do you ever feel like you're stuck between generations? You miss VHS tapes, but you also love TikTok, or you love avocado toast, skinny jeans, and coffee, yet you find yourself shopping at Depop or thrift stores, you know, to fit your style, your aesthetic. If that's the case for you, then you're most likely a Zillennial. Zillennials are a specific group of people born three years before the end of the millennial generation or three years into Gen Z. We were all born in the late 90s, and we identify with both millennials and Gen Z in an interesting way. We grew up watching similar TV shows to that of younger millennials, but also have like this tech savviness that comes with being a part of Gen Z. So there's a lot that we're going to cover in today's episode, so sit back and enjoy a fun discussion about being a part of a small forgotten generation according to google if you were born anywhere between 1993 and 1998 then you are a part of this micro generation but i'd say Me personally, it makes more sense to say that Zillennials are anyone born from the mid to late 90s. So I'm talking like, mm, I'd say about 94, 95 to 99. As of 2022, according to Google, the youngest Zillennials are about 24 or will be 24 by the end of the year. So I was born April 13, 1998. And fun fact about me. I was born two weeks late, so I was supposed to be born March 29th, between March 29th and March 30th, but, you know, your girl was born two weeks late. Anyway, most of us are in our early to late 20s, and we've joined millennials in the working world, and uh, so we're no longer babies at this point. We are babies to the working world, but an interesting aspect of millennials is that we're old enough to work alongside millennials, Gen Xers, and boomers but we're also young enough to understand Gen Z's digital humor. So we can relate to both generations without feeling fully immersed in them. And I think this is like a very interesting thing because as I was applying to jobs, you can kind of tell that that they were looking for somebody young, especially in marketing. They're, They're looking for somebody young who can have a level of maturity working with you know, people like them, but also is able to keep up on the latest trends and things like that. So I think that's uh, why marketing is such a big deal right now, because they know that a lot of older Gen Z know a thing or two about trends right now. The purpose of this episode is to rather highlight a point in time that many of us can remember before the rise of the internet and social media. I don't want to make it sound like these experiences are exclusive to just because this can apply for anyone born in the early 2000s as well. So anyone born, you know, from 2000 to roughly 2003 can also have shared some of these same experiences. One thing all Zillennials would have in common is that we were between three and eight years old when 9-11 happened. So we were alive, but for some of us, we can't remember it. I was three years old, so I don't Remember anything from 2001. Zillennials, also called cuspers, uh, are not a defined generation. It's a term that recently received recognition because it's helped people identify with common characteristics and experiences. So though all of Gen Z can be grouped together, and some may say we grew up with smartphones, a certain many of us did it. We played outside. We watched movies on VHS tapes. We watched MTV, Disney Channel. And one of our favorite things to do was visit Blockbuster. Kids don't really like playing outside these days unless it's relating to sports. But I would say we were the last of a generation to really experience playing outside and coming back in when the streetlights came on. So growing up, I play outside every single day. Like that was what I did. If I was bored, I go play outside with my friend. We ride our bikes around the neighborhood and it was so much fun. And also, if you were young around this time, then you would go to Chuck E. Cheese a lot. Most of us, we'd have our birthday parties at, at Chuck E. Cheese. And that was just a staple place for our childhood. So I just remember all the sorts of games I'd play. And it was just so much fun. And I think they put a lot of effort into kids' birthday parties back then. And it was just so much fun. And arcades in general back then. Think about the difference in in the way kids view video games today. Everything is mostly in your home, but physically getting up and leaving your house to go to the nearest arcade to play like Pac-Man and things like that. That's an experience that's exclusive to a certain generation. And I'm happy that we were one of the kids that got to experience that before it kind of went out of style. Arcades were a lot of fun. One of our favorite things to do was go to the library. Because many of us, we were really into books. Like a lot of us, we probably don't read as much as we did before, but maybe we're trying to get back into that. But back then, reading time was so much fun. Some of my favorite books to read were Junie B. Jones, A to Z Mysteries, A Tale of Unfortunate Events. There's just so many book series that deserve so much more recognition for just providing us with great storytelling. And just a very fun imagination. And also going to the park. My dad would bring me to the park a lot when I was younger. And kids were at the park all the time. And times were different back then. You didn't have to worry too much about people being weird. Which is why people have playgrounds in their backyards. But things were different back then. And and I think that's something that I miss so, so much about being a kid. It's just not having a worry in the world. When I think of iPads today, I think of LeapFrog because what LeapFrog was for us is what iPads are for kids these days. LeapFrog was like this learning uh, gadget, but it was very educational. And I think that's why parents just ended up letting their kids get LeapFrog because there was really nothing to worry about. Growing up in the early 2000s, a lot of us were influenced by our millennial siblings and cousins I have an older cousin and she was born in 1991 but she would always be listening to 90s R&B you had Destiny's Child you had Aaliyah you had Usher you know the main R&B people of the late 90s early 2000s she had this Panasonic TV it was very small But I believe it was a Panasonic TV, and it had a VHS slot. So this was when VHS tapes were, you know, still a thing. Manufacturers were still making television to suit VHS tapes. But she would have MCV on, or she'd have BET on. And BET, they appreciated music more back then. So you'd see a lot of music videos, MTV, um, including Disney Channel even. Disney Channel appreciated music back then too, And it's it's interesting to see the shift because nowadays everything kind of seems a little whitewashed. You know, I'm not trying to say that in in an offensive way, but it seemed like they were more diverse back then. And you think that back then they wouldn't have uh, accepted diversity, but just seeing the kids that were on TV, especially Disney Channel, there was a lot of representation. And I think that's why our childhood was such a fun time because entertainment was really matching what we saw on the outside. So Zillennials, Cuspers, or older Gen Z, whichever one you want to choose, (laughs) um, we were also the first generation to embrace electronics in a revolutionary way. So if you look back to the early 2000s and late 90s, they were going through this shift to digital. And we were one of the first kids to have a computer lab at school. So I was six years old when I uh, got to kind of use a computer for the first time. It's, it's 2003, and I and I remember this because the Cheetah Girls had just came out. But did you guys ever notice that in certain uh, late 90s, early 2000s TV shows, computer lab settings became a prevalent thing within the stories? I thought about Degrassi because when Degrassi premiered, they were already using a computer lab as one of the school settings, and it kind of just shows that computer labs were becoming a very common uh, tool for learning, especially, you know, in school. People were using a using computer lab to learn, learn how to code, or just, you know, do homework. So this is when we were seeing that shift happen. But, uh yeah, so the Cheetah Girls had just came out, and this was one of my first experiences with a computer. I distinctly remember the computer, and the Windows server. So it was, it definitely was a PC because Apple computers were not common back then. They weren't really common until, I'd say, the late 2000s, early 2010s. But do you guys remember the Windows logo back then with the sky and grass backdrop? For me, it was a Windows 2003 server, so it had the grass and blue sky backdrop, but we were accessing the World Wide Web. You had all of these popular networks creating these websites, and these websites were easy to use back then. They didn't have much protection, you know, surrounded around these sites, but I mean, they were fun, and that was that became one of my favorite things to do at school was visit the computer lab. But this brings me to entertainment and how millennials were able to watch movies, listen to music, and play video games. Do y'all remember using a Game Boy? One of my brothers had a Game Boy sitting around the house. I think it was able to work after a while. It was about 2004. Were we able to charge it or put batteries in it? I don't remember. But I played one game on it. And I'm not sure which one it was. I really forgot. But that was before I got my official Game Boy. You know, the one where you could close it, open it, and close it. Yeah, I got that one. It had the little arrow keys, and it had, like, the A and B button and, like, the left and right controls on the sides. And me and my cousin, we would sit at my grandma's house, and we play our Game Boy. And we could only leave it at home because some kid would steal it the difference between the way we played with these gaming gadgets back then and the way kids play with it today is that we weren't as addicted to it. So we had a bit of balance when it came to our Game Boys, our Nintendos. We were still playing outside. Toys R Us was also a very popular place if you grew up in the early 2000s. Literally every toy you think of Toys R Us had. And it's bittersweet knowing that Toys R Us is no longer a thing. Anytime I'd walk in, I knew for a fact I was going to walk out with something amazing. And I would eventually get all these other games. And eventually I would be allowed to get my first Nintendo DS. It was like a deep, dark blue color, but it could fit Game Boy games in there too. That was a very revolutionary product. You could actually connect your Nintendo to somebody else's Nintendo, and y'all could play Mario DS together. Isn't that cool? So me and my cousins, we would sit down and play that a lot, and when I was in after-school care in elementary school, every time we go to the after-school care place, most of the kids had their DSs, and it was really cool to just see these kids having the same experience I had, but no, we weren't addicted to it. We were just very fascinated. And many of us got in trouble for bringing it to school, but it was a lot of fun. I think of music and how music was played back then. And I just think of all my millennial inspirations at the time. So, you know, like I said, millennials, we we were heavily influenced by millennial culture because the early 2000s is millennial culture. So if they were listening to music On Walkmans, so were we. If they had an iPod, we wanted it too. If they were listening to music on a CD player, we wanted to listen to it on a CD player too. So a lot of the things that my older cousins would do, I would do too. So I got my first CD player, not sure the age, but... CDs were a big thing. CDs were uh, invented in 96. They came out in 96. So they were a fairly new concept, but cars were starting to get manufactured to where they could use CDs. So cassette tapes weren't becoming much of a thing anymore because CDs were just very convenient, very easy to store. And you didn't have to worry too much about the tape messing up, but you did have to worry about the CD scratching. So you always had to make sure that you had the CDs in a um, some sort of case. Same thing with DVDs, same concept. But CDs, we would put them in in our cars or our radios. We had portable radios that you could just plug into the wall or uh, you know, just have on your nightstand, your kitchen counter, all of that. I remember when the iPod Shuffle came out. It was 2005. There was a girl in my class and she had like a pink one. And I was like, what is an iPod Shuffle? And how do you even upload the music on there? I wanted went one so badly, but it was just really cool to see all these new gadgets coming out of nowhere and the mp3 player was a popular thing back then too my cousin she had an mp3 player oh i was so jealous and the dvds were one of my favorite things to get from blockbuster and i'm happy that we were able to experience blockbuster before they went out of business but my dad would bring me to blockbuster a lot i remember picking up a lot of mary kate and ashley movies i can't really remember the names of the movies because they did so many together but I got a bunch of Mary Kate and Ashley movies, The Little Rascals, Matilda, you know, common movies back then that a lot of 90s kids and 2000s kids would watch. Um, But we will also get The Lion King, The Little Mermaid, Snow White, Beauty and the Beast, common Disney movies from the 90s. And DVDs were starting to become this popular thing because the way you the way technology was moving, it was almost like you could do everything on demand almost. Though DVDs were demand, but and they weren't as advanced in their technological capabilities, you were still able to control what you wanted to see. And it was really cool the way a DVD could have all those graphics on there like that. And you could pick if you wanted to see behind the scenes footage or go to a certain scene, you know, or look at exclusive content. It was just really cool the way DVDs were set up. I had my DVD player. I had a DVD player with this giant, giant battery that you could plug into the wall and charge. It was a portable device. So so that was a really cool concept. And I'm glad that I was able to buy all sorts of DVDs and rent them from Blockbuster, but uh, I'm thinking about all of the shows back then. I'm thinking about my childhood and all the shows that I could remember off the top of my head, even if I didn't sit down and watch them. And if you were a Disney fanatic like me, Xenon, Boy Meets World, Lizzie McGuire, Halloween Town, The Parent Trap, uh, Bring It On, uh, Degrassi, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I, I just remember this being my childhood and wanting to be like the older kids who were allowed to watch Degrassi and I wasn't allowed to watch Degrassi because my parents thought it was too mature but I distinctly remember certain scenes and being told change the channel but do you guys remember when Nickelodeon had that worldwide day of play do you guys remember that it was so crazy because I would literally flip to Disney Channel in a heartbeat but it was I mean you know I can respect Nickelodeon for doing those sorts of things, I think they understood that TVs were becoming an addictive thing. Kids started staying inside to watch TV and on-demand became a thing. And when I say on-demand, I I think about Comcast or um, Time Warner and with televisions, it started becoming more advanced. So we're moving into a time when kids would rather stay inside than go outside. So it's about 2008, 2009. Uh, so most of us, we were entering middle school. We were going through puberty and we were very much in silly bands. Been into Disney Channel for a while, but we can tell it's changing. So that's going downhill. iCarly is getting ready to finish up in like the next year and a half or two. Uh, so you're sort of wondering like, what's next? You're into YouTube. YouTube has some pretty cool content on there. So you're watching YouTube a lot. Maybe a little more than TV, but not quite. You're still playing outside. Uh, You still have your Nintendo. But you're into the Wii at this point. And the Wii has sort of taken over the Nintendo. And you're also into Just Dance. Just Dance has come out and you can play it on there. So you're sort of still active, you know, but you're not taking television as seriously as you used to but Lady Gaga has just come out you've recently heard her first song on the radio Just Dance and you're like this is different and it turns out that she will become one of the biggest pop stars of the early 2010s of really the whole decade and Rihanna she's out there Beyonce you've heard Justin Bieber on the radio for the first time so there's a lot of changes happening in pop culture right now And your main focus is how can I present myself as like this mature person? But you're going into middle school and you're wearing silly bands right now. And that's what I was doing, y'all. I was wearing silly bands. I wasn't like really taking myself too seriously. But I understood the shift that was happening in pop culture. You know, I knew of millennial siblings, cousins going off to college. So there's this gap that started to form between millennials and Gen Z. And mind you, around this time, Gen Z does not know that they're Gen Z. We did not know that we were going to be considered Generation Z. We just thought we were the younger generation. But no, this is where there's that gap that's starting to form because the 2008 recession is coming, okay? That's coming really soon. And we're still in middle school while our millennial inspirations are going off to school, becoming adults at this point. There's a lot of changes that are happening Uh, but many of us are getting phones, maybe, not all, but some of us are getting phones. Uh, Blackberries are becoming more and more popular and Blackberries were a popular phone back then. Uh, It had like the keyboard, but if you had a Blackberry, then you were considered like, ooh, wow, like bougie, you know? So Blackberries were like the iPhones of the late 2000s, but smartphones are a thing. The iPhone is around, one of my teachers in middle school, she had an iPhone. And I just remember she'd time us with like our journals and stuff, you know, whatever we were working on in class. And the timer would go off on her phone and it would make the, du, 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 it would make that sound. And I it just rings in my ear till this day. But that's like the classic iPhone ringtone. And Um, That just reminds me of when everything was changing. I had just seen the Karate Kid for the first time, and I was obsessed with Jaden Smith and Justin Bieber. I wanted to be them so bad, and I loved Emma Lovato so much. So I was in my, like, Disney emo era. The Disney rock era was such a time to be alive. (laughs) Like like it really was. Victorious came along and I feel like many of us shifted from Disney to Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon was good for a long while. Um, We had iCarly still and we had Victorious. So those two shows were carrying Nickelodeon at that time. Disney had already finished uh sweet life of zach and cody they had went on to do sweet life on deck that's where raven had ended hannah montana had ended in 2010 so you know we there's this young crowd of zillennials you know trying to figure out well, wh- what are we going to do what's happening let's just say that we end up going over to social media i remember Instagram becoming a thing like 2012. Everyone was using the Valencia Instagram filter. You know that filter, the filter that everybody used on Instagram. I just remember the early twins being a whole Valencia Instagram filter because everything was just atrocious looking. The fashion was atrocious. Everyone was wearing like uh, snapbacks and with peace signs, skinny jeans and bulky shoes. Um, everyone was listening to Justin Bieber they were obsessed with Cody Simpson you you know all the pop boys were coming out so things are changing American Idol is gone at this point it's not coming back so X Factor steps in Hulu and Netflix are starting streaming but we don't really care about it for another couple years because we still have DVDs right now um, but I started uh Getting into YouTube a lot, and many of us did. We were into Facebook, we were into YouTube, but this is where that shift happens. We're not really taking into consideration uh, the amount of harm that, that the internet is causing on young people's lives. So we've reached the 2010s officially, right? And as a millennial, we're going to high school. So we're going through all these changes with uh, social media. We got our black president. He went into his second term in office, Barack Obama. So uh, there's a lot of things happening. But I would say that we're kind of in the aftermath of what would have been, you know, the recession. So that happened about four years prior. Things are kind of getting more expensive. Prices are increasing uh, but we're seeing some technological advances. We, got to, we have our iPad and we're getting like touchscreen digital devices. So a lot of things are changing and so are we. So we're growing up at this point and we're no longer looking back on our childhood. We're wanting to be adults. Our millennial friends are in a workplace. We're getting ready to go to college eventually. Um, but let's talk about just how expensive college Has become. So I was looking on CNBC because I wanted to compare college tuition costs from the year I was born, 1998, till now, 2022. It's insane how, as each year came, an extra thousand was added to tuition. And this is on average for the public university. If I were attending a public university in 1998, I'd be paying $11,000 on average. Okay, you hear me? $11,000 on average. That's like worth a whole semester. Matter of fact, that's less than a whole semester today. According to education.org, college tuition in the year 2022 would cost on average $27,000. So when I was at Texas State University, it was about between like twenty 2020- twenty. 22000 to 24000 something like that. So, you know, it's been about two and a half years since I graduated and it's just, it's getting more expensive. It's going to be 30000 by like 2024. So the, the reason why I mentioned this is because millennials were kind of able to experience what it was like to pay less than $20,000 to go to school. And this isn't to make it seem like college was like this easy thing to afford back then. I mean, it was a it's still somewhat of a privilege to get this, this sort of education. But many of, of the millennial generation, they went to college before the 2008 recession, but many of them had to deal with the difficulties of going through a recession while being in school. It's a similar experience to what zillennials are going through in, in a pandemic world. I mean, I was I graduated in 2020. So I would be considered one of the last Zillennials to finish college, but it was just a very challenging time. And I think that's why Zillennials and millennials are able to relate so much in that aspect because it was really hard to find jobs. I mean, everyone was kind of staying at home, but it just kind of felt like there was this shift going on and no one really knew how to maneuver it. And because of that, it kind of just left everybody going to other jobs and doing other things. But it was a very hard time. So millennials and zillennials and know what it's like to have no idea what you want to do with your life. But add on top of that, a recession and a global pandemic. As far as Gen Z goes, they still have, they had to deal with that a lot too. Not so much the 2008 recession. Many of us, we were in school and seeing our parents talk about the possibility of getting laid off and just seeing this this rise in gas prices and everything. It was just a very, very hard time. But right now, Gen Z is dealing with the aftermaths of a pandemic. But they're still going through it, and it's affected them. You know, many of them, they were freshmen in high school, and now they're nearly graduating high school at this point. So they've spent their whole entire high school, college years in a pandemic so this has changed their experiences and since many of them maybe have spent time at home maybe their social lives are a little stunted because maybe this just changed everything for them they kind of feel like you know maybe they can't really relate to anybody or communicate because they've been at home so these are similar experiences that I feel like Gen Z and and Millennials can relate on there's always these historical events happening I mean at this point we're in our early 20s at this point. We've been through historical events and uh, we have felt the pressures of being in our 20s. And I think we all can agree that being in your 20s is so different from being a teenager. I was so excited to hit my 20s when I was younger. I was like, I can't wait to be an adult and be independent, make decisions, all that. But let me tell you something. I would do anything to go back to being sixteen and not having to care about certain things. I mean, of course, you know, there's there is a bit of freedom in being in your twenties, but there's a lot of responsibility and there's a lot of discipline that comes with that. Um, and adulting, it can be a little hard. And I think we're able to relate with the social media aspect of being a part of Gen Z, but we can also relate very well with millennials right now because we have entered the workforce. But I think a special thing about millennials is that we are one of the youngest people in the workplace. We are working alongside all of these older people. And it's been said that we have been the most dissatisfied with the workplace. And I think that's because the workplace culture in itself hasn't always been nice to entry-level people. And not only that, but imagine having to find a job in a pandemic. There's just all these, all these issues that are going on around this time and you're still expected to like be this standard 20-something person, you know, with all this success. But I think many of us at this point are wanting to work for ourselves. We're wanting to do freelance. Or we're just looking for um, benefits, of course, but also a great work-life balance. So when we clock out, we're done. We don't want to look at our computers no more. If if we got to work from home, we got to work from home. But it's all about being socially aware when we're looking at a job to see, you know, their their workplace culture, what they're about, how the people are. We're looking to see, okay, how are they diverse? What sort of procedures have they put in place, you know, to step up if there was ever an issue, you know, a race issue, anything of that nature. Zillennials, look at that. And I think that's why Zillennials have just been so dissatisfied with the workplace because they see that it's very, very toxic. My mom, you know, she's been working for years, years. Some of the things that she tells me about the workplace, I would never want to deal with that. I would never want to deal with that. But it just goes to show that tolerance has uh, changed with the times, and we don't always have to go along with things simply because that's how it is. So I think that's the nice thing about Zillenials is that we have that sort of aspect that Gen Z has. We're passionate about the things that we want, but we also understand, you know, the importance of treating people with kindness, love, and respect, and not looking down on anybody for, you know, being different from us. If anything, we embrace being different. And the workplace, they ought to adopt that. What a great conversation this has been. This is the longest episode of Everything Grows I've done. And I'm stepping out of my comfort zone when it comes to the length. But I'm just going to do what feels right to my heart. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow Everything Grows on Instagram at Everything Grows Podcast. And always remember, everything grows in its own time.